When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Ate a lot of turkey. I uh, certainly did my... uh, (laughs) my part and uh i uh, hope uh, every all your families were there and uh all the good stuff that comes with thanksgiving um <clears throat> you know it was a short week uh and it was kind of an interesting week and uh, you know i i talked about uh this melt up period and and uh so i i i thought i'd uh continue on that vein with this uh, show, but I think you have to uh, uh, just take it easy a little bit and getting a little bit overbought. So uh, just we'll talk about that in a second. In the meantime, uh, you know, we have a new newsletter out. So if you go to WHK 1420 AM and go to local podcast down to uh, Tim Hayes, smart investor show, you can grab a hold of that. But uh, you know, we, we do have new newsletters out uh, for the, for uh, December, uh, it has to do with how to give uh, like a billionaire when you don't have billions to give. Uh, take the Social Security uh, test, and then what 529 plans are. And if you don't know what those are, and you have kids in college, you got a problem. Uh, also, if you'd like to get any of the information that we uh, talk about on this show, uh, where we've been talking about the di- dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. I'm sorry, but the oil, uh, I talked about our best oil ideas, and they got uh, restricted again. So there's been a lot of deals in the oil sector, been a lot of deals uh, in general. Uh, deals are starting to step up, and I think it's because interest rates are coming down. The credit's starting to ease a little bit. But also the, S- the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook, highly recommend that. We also have our global uh, best ideas in income um, that are available. <clears throat> and, you know, I've been talking about this theme for a while and and we had our technology internet media and telecommunications conference and both days are available to you uh good stuff man i'm telling you it was uh well attended and you know one of the things i've been talking about is value taking over growth well it looks like growth's taking back over on value so we had a two-month period where value took over and uh you know i, I don't know maybe it'll continue but uh i mean uh even some of the Fang names, uh, you know, after taking a year off, are starting to emerge, which uh, I, I didn't think was going to happen, to be honest with you, but it has. So uh, you might want to uh, get copies of that. There's some good information there. Um, I mentioned last week that the bullish uh, percent for the mid-cap index, and this is the S&P 500 mid-cap index, uh, did turn up, uh, did did break, uh, you know, it did ter- turn to a column of X's, so... A break over 42 at 42, which is at 36 right now, would be uh, kind of interesting. Also, that you know, if you understand overbought, oversold, the S&P 500 is at the top of its 10-week uh, trading uh, band right now. So that means it's pretty overbought. Um, you know, it's about 74% overbought, and that's pretty big for a index. So you just got to remember that. What's interesting between 1114 and 1121, U.S. equities had $3.3 billion in outflows. Uh, so that that's quite a bit. And for the year, 
uh, we're just barely positive, yet the market's going up. So just imagine, and you, you, you wonder why I say melt up, and that's Tim Hayes' opinion, not RBC's, by the way. But melt up uh, with, you know, we're going up without much help, okay? Just imagine if the money comes back in. It's, it's unbelievable. People are just, uh, you know, they're, they're frightened of their own shadow at this point, so it's really interesting. In the meantime, international equity, which has been uh, starting to turn down, they put $2.8 million in, and they added another $3.5 billion, in, uh, $2.8 billion, I'm sorry, $3.5 billion, uh, in fixed income. So what's interesting is, uh, you know, th- th- this year, Fixed income and U.S. equity, international equity is really, uh, that's where all the money went, okay? Just remember, this is a, we had a change in season. We went past All Souls Day or our Halloween, and we, you know, you have a change in season, you have a change in relative strength normally, and we have. Uh, you remember we said last week that the bullish percent did turn positive, so that's a big thing. Uh, also, don't forget the January effect. You know, there'll be some tax loss selling, count on it. And, uh, you know, I was, I was looking at some of the names that we have and, uh, and the dividend growth list, and a couple have backed up pretty nicely. And, and um, the prime income list, there's a couple that have backed up really nicely. And, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about uh, uh, Master Limited Partnerships in the insider buying area because that's kind of interesting. And then the all-cap growth, we've had quite a few pull back. We've got a couple names on there that uh, we've had some insider buying uh, for the first time in a long time. And we'll uh, talk about that a little bit. So I, um, I had uh, Terry on the phone with me this week, and Terry listens to the show pretty regularly. So she asked me, uh, you know, Tim, you haven't come up with anything new lately, and um, yes, I have. It's just um, I've been f- filtering my clients into it, and uh, you know, they get it first, and then you people get it second. Sorry, but that's the way it is. Um, and it's called Kubernetes. And I think it's the future of computing. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's a trend. And it's, uh, it's the Greek word for helmsman or pilot. Uh, and this is accelerating the transition away from legacy client server technology by making cloud native software development easier and better. Okay. So uh, you know, last week there was 1,200 developers uh, in San Diego at the largest annual uh, Kubernetes uh conference it's called kubecon by the way uh and uh basically what it is is an open source uh orchestration software for deploying and managing and scaling uh what they call a container uh modern applications are increasingly built using containers and microservice packages with uh, their dependencies and and some you know some different configurations uh Kubernetes, or what they call K8s for short, is an open source source software for deploying and managing those containers at scale. So, uh, you know, basically what you're doing, uh, look, applications grow to to span multiple containers and they're deployed across multiple servers. So operating them becomes a lot more complex. So to manage this complexity... Kubernetes provides an open source API that controls how and where these containers will run. So it, it, it basically gives you the ability to be the, the orchestra leader. Okay, so you orchestrate a cluster of virtual machines 
and schedule containers to run on those machines based on their available computer resources. Uh, so uh, it's a new name out there, and uh, not many people have heard of it, and that's all the more reason why uh, <laughs> I'm bringing it up. Uh, anyway, Lori Calcivina had uh, 10 reasons, you know, that she are 10 things you need to know heading into 2020, and I thought these were pretty good. So, you know, Lori's our head strategist, and she's very good at what she does. We expect 2020 to be a year of moderation, turbulence, and transition in the U.S. equity market. Uh, so, you know, look, the ele- first 11 months of 2019, we've, we've risen about 25% on the S&P 500. Nobody thought that at the beginning of the year. I, I said not to get too bearish, but my problem is, is that I, I, don't, I, w- I saw a leadership change, which hasn't developed yet, uh, which is very interesting. And it's mostly because of Fed policy. And it's, so it's making it, they're extending uh, uh, things for a while. So um, we had 3350 year-end price target for the S&P. Is, it's the median of seven scenarios that uh, reasonably could explain t- 2020 returns. So that's about a, about a 9% return. Uh, she thinks, by the way, small caps may be the place to be. We expect S&P 500 uh, earnings per share of 174 in 2020. That'd be unchanged. And 120, 184 in 2021. What she does talk about is that the unchanged number for 2020 uh, is going to be a shuffling of leadership. Um, and we'll go from there. And she has positioning, uh, our positioning and bottom-up valuation analysis keeps us on guard for a pullback in the months ahead. Uh, no, I'm not, uh, months ahead. Right now, I don't think so. The stock market has gotten a little too excited about the economy and the Fed recently. Uh, that's a given. Like I said, we're pretty overbought right now. Uh, the stock market is also starting to, to bake in favorable outcome of, in the 2020 presidential election. Uh, and if the shift to value within the U.S. sticks, the S&P 500 is likely to lag its global peers. This goes back to what we talked about. I said the possibility of, uh, you know, the the larger names or the index names not performing as well as some of the you know the it'd be a stock pickers market versus an index market and within the u.s we are maintaining our slight preference for value over growth on a longer term view uh, and keeping a value uh, bias in 2000 uh, i mean in our s&p 500 sector recommendations now tilting more towards cyclicals which is pretty like i said change in leadership and we uh we would maintain exposure to growth trade for the very near term. Uh, so, you know, growth is, pull, you know, bringing coming back. So it, it, it's coming back fast. Uh, it may be just a trade. Now, one of the things I did talk about several times uh, in this summer, I sent everybody things saying I thought gold was going to break out. It made a 20% move from that breakout, which was very, very good. And, uh, you know, I said there'd be a dip and there was there is a dip. Uh, but I'm noticing s- several of the gold stocks are starting to show up on my uh, my charting. Uh, I have two different charting systems I use. So they're starting to show up. So uh, I don't think you want to be short any gold stocks right at the moment. Gold stocks are very under-owned by institutions. So you know, pay very close attention to there. Now, I thought this was interesting. Um, if you look at Apple, it's 3% or it's 4.34% of the S&P 500. Microsoft is 4.2%, and the bottom 100 are 3%, and the, S- and the rest is the S&P 500, or the rest of the S&P 500. So obviously, Apple and Microsoft are two of the largest positions, but the bottom 100 are only 
So they're basically one-third of just the Apple and Microsoft position. Hey, let's uh, take a break. Uh, I, oh, by the way, I just want to let you know the S&P 500 small cap index did break a quintuple top. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. Um, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. And once again, you know, we talked about the dividend growth portfolio, the, the technology, internet, media, and telecom uh, uh, conference that we had. We had a two-day conference. We have the notes from that. It was a pretty exciting conference, and not as many people were there, which leads me to believe that though I'm starting to see some software leadership again, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we beat the drum on that a couple years ago, and it worked out really, really well. Uh, I, I thought they wouldn't maintain their leadership, but, uh, they, they have turned back up. So, um, you know, I had Ed, uh, call me this week and he said, Tim, could you, you know, redo the top concerns for next year? And I think, um, first off it's, it's the political uncertainty ahead of the 2020 election. Uh, then the U S China trade tensions, a global economic recession, which is in, unfortunately, you know, the year quarter is flattening again, just so you know, uh, stretched U S equity valuations. Although, it's only on certain sectors are they stretched. There's some sectors that are really, really cheap. Uh, the Federal Reserve policy mistakes, uh, which we've seen them make a couple times. Uh, slowing global corporate profits. I don't think they're going to slow. I just think they're going to maintain. I think they're going to switch to from one industry to the other. And uh, geopolitical uncertainty in the Middle East and Europe, which is always, I mean, that's been a concern <laughs> since I've been in the business. Uh, an increase in issuer downgrades and defaults. You know, uh, one of the things I'm seeing is, uh, you know, back in the crisis, it was the lenders that were ha- having a problem. Now we might have a problem with the borrowers, and that could be a bigger problem uh, because they've extended their duration, and a lot of manage- managers uh, have extended their, their duration in their portfolios, so you've got to be careful there. Uh, I, you know, I was looking at, uh, you know, some things on the on, at the uh, fixed income side, and, uh, you know, if you look at utilities, real estate, and consumer non-cyclical staples, the groups were ranked first, second, and fourth overall uh, as we turn the corner into in the fourth quarter. Uh, but before I continue my assessment on rate-sensitive equities, you know, a bit of the bond market context is in order. But despite the longer-term uh, lower yield trend, rates have stabilized in recent months, and so they've rallied off multi-year lows. Um, and both observations are well displayed on the the 10-year treasury or the TNX chart, if you want to take a look. Uh, you know, it's at, it was at 1.45 in early September and now has a reading of 1.75. So, um, you know, it pulled back from 1.95, by the way. So the TNX remains on a second consecutive buy signal. So we're talking about the yield going up now, okay? And you recall from the fixed income uh, updates that we've had in the past, uh, fixed income investments are impacted with varying degrees of sensitivity by interest rate changes. Remember, interest rates go up. Usually the the or the principal of whatever you're owning goes down. And uh, uh, now we're, we're way I mean, you have to get to like uh, 240 or 220, I think, is the long term downtrend line on the yield. So we, we have nothing to worry about for now. But when you have multiple buy signals off the bottom, you got to pay attention. Uh, so if you use the. the correlation cal- uh, calculator that, that we have, um, you take a look, you know, utilities, 
real estate and consumer non-cyclical have really dropped in ranks drastically. Uh, and I've been talking about the staples being, you know, uh, starting to lose relative strength. And I talked about utilities, that they weren't performing better than the S&P 500, and I thought they'd drop. And they have, okay? So, uh, you know, just so you know, we, we uh, let you know. One of the things that happened last Friday was uh, the S&P 1500 hit an all-time new high. Now, that hasn't hit an all-time new high in a long, long time. Uh, but, if you, you know, the performance... Uh, the S&P 500 has done the best, and the mid-caps are not far behind it, but the small caps are are farther behind. And usually small caps, you know, when you want to see them, you want to see them pick up. Now, what's really interesting is you look at the new all-time highs in the 1500, 26% of them are industrial, uh, 14 of them are consumer cyclicals or, you know, mostly, you know, retail. 13% are financials. These are big changes, 12, 12.6% are real estate and tech's only 11.5%, healthcare is 8.44, of which 60% of those occurred in the last 45 days. So um, anyway, things, have, th- things are changing. So I would just suggest that in the last week, healthcare is definitely the strongest sector. Uh, <coughs> our friends at Dorsey Wright have said that, and uh, I think John Murphy, who's, who's, uh, you know writes the market message, uh, the XLV has been very, very strong, and... Uh, the other, you know, the, I mean, boy, there's been a lot of biotechs that have just gone straight up, and we've been talking about that. Also, I, I see a rotation is yielding new leaders. Uh, and what's really interesting is where they're coming from, and that's the banks. Isn't that interesting? We haven't talked about, you know, we, I've been suggesting that the banks uh, have been uh, a place to be, you know, for some time. Uh, but the banks have, have versus the S&P 500 are now starting to outperform the S&P 500, which is really interesting. And I have two that are my favorites, but I'm not allowed to talk about them, so uh, I won't. Uh, but if you look at the banking index, it has definitely broken out and is, you know, it's a relative strength. RSI is leading the way, et cetera. So, uh, but I've got a list of 10 banks that I really, really like. Um, one I own a massive position in, one I own a pretty good size position in, so... Uh, you know, the uh, third one, by the way, I is one of my biggest positions, but I bought it at a very, very low price. So uh, I will leave it at that. Um, some other people have asked me, uh, you know, what my thoughts are uh, on on the consumer. And look, U.S. consumer sentiment rose uh, again last month. And look, I think, you know, if you're going to look at, uh, con- you know, the the consumer sentiment uh, or, or the consumer sector, you got to look at companies that are forward thinking. And, you know, everybody said Amazon was going to take over, but I think that, you know, Target and Walmart have proved that. Uh, guys like Carvana have proved that. And, you know, there's a big article in the, and I think it was in the New York Times this week about how local booksellers are coming back. That not everybody wants to buy their books through Amazon. Uh, and, and, and local booksellers are selling a ton of books. Uh, you know, look, I know in Hudson there's the Learning Owl, and and she does a great job, and uh, I buy a lot of books from her. Um, so I, I would just suggest that, you know, it's it. The retail industry is not dead. I think you just got to make sure that you're you're participating with the people that know what they're doing. Okay. 
that are looking to the future and doing things differently. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned some names. They're up a lot, so I don't, I'm not recommending buying them at this point. But, uh, you know, I would be looking for forward-thinking uh, retailers, uh, you know, and if that was the, if you had the, had the opportunity uh, and there was a pullback of some sort, which I said, you know, we, you know, we're very overbought right now. Uh, so maybe the S&P 500 pulls back and the small caps and the mid caps go forward. Who knows? But uh, the small caps uh, did break a quadruple top. Now, they still have a little resistance above them, but if they do, it could be uh, interesting. So I think that the tactical uptrend is probably going to continue into mid quarter, uh, you know, first quarter. Um, and and uh, I, I think we're, we've got some short-term overbought conditions. Uh, we remain overbought. And it's consistent with a market that has transitioned into an uptrend from a sideways movement. So the question is, what, do we have a pullback? You know, if you're waiting for it, it never comes. <laughs> That's the way it works. Uh, sorry for the cough, folks. Um, it, but I, I think there's some pro-growth groups that uh, are starting to, you know, show leadership again uh, and are not, you know, following the U.S. 10-year uh, yields lower, which is uh, interesting. Um, also, I, I would continue to maintain and build exposure both towards cyclical and growth stocks. Uh, it's almost like you want to have some value and some growth. And um, I, I think the the most, well, I'm going to get into that in a second. But look, I, I, you know, a year ago I said, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't think the FANG stocks were going to come back. And yet uh, I did a lot of weekly charts uh, last night and um, I'm starting to see some names in that group that are starting to look really, really good. And uh, so it looks like they're going right back to the growth names. The oil service group has been uh, rallying and that's kind of interesting. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, the one thing I will see is on a weekly basis, the S and P 500 has been over oversold and that now is starting to up, you know, have an upside acceleration and that's where I talked about that. You know, hey, maybe we could possibility we have a melt up. You know what I mean? And now the Russell 2000 was one the thing that really made me, you know, get up and, and look. On a point and figure chart, it broke five tops. And, you know, the one thing about point and figure charts, the, the more tops you break at one time, the more percent there, there is a percentage of your idea working. Okay. So the probability goes up drastically. And it broke this week, and it also broke the downtrend time, uh, line against relative performance versus the S&P 500. Those are both big-time positives. The one thing that really changed my mind a little bit this, this month or this week, though, was the growth first value had broken down on a daily basis, now broke out again, uh, especially in the small-cap area. Um, I, I also thought that it was really kind of interesting that uh, we, you know, if we look at the 2019 downtrend on the 10-year notes, that we went right to it and then bounced back down. Uh, and the relatives, the RSI became very overbought and still overbought. And the 10-year treasury, I mean, the TLT, uh, which is actually the bond, is making a series of lower highs. So if we were to get up to the 140 mark and then drop back down, uh, that would be the third lower high. That's usually not a good sign. Um, gold, you know, I talked about that. I continue to like gold uh, on any, you know, any any pullback, I think, you know, you want to, uh, it's very interesting. And um, the gold copper uptrend looks like it might be slowly uh, peaking tactically anyway. Uh, you know, and when I mean tactically, I mean short term. I think the real chart that made me sit up and, and take a look, and I hadn't looked at this for a while, was lumber. 
lumber looks like it's made a really big round bottom and uh it might be on the verge of comp- completing like a 15 month bottoming pattern so there's some good interesting lumber lumber uh, charts out there too by the way in stocks uh, and i would say in the improving sectors are communication services some staples healthcare definitely technology and energy mostly oil service though <coughs> weakening utilities real estate discretionary and some industrials not all of them uh but what was really made me sit up was uh the software index the software index really uh improved drastically i mean it looked like it was breaking down and then just turned around and, and came back up so uh, like I said, I think oil service is interesting. The utilities, the relative performance is is negatively diverging. So you want to be careful there. And the same thing's happening with staples. Biotechs look like they're ready to lift off. All right. So uh, you know, I am seeing some of these names in the um, uh, in, in the Fang area do well too. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, I, you know, I, I wanted to mention this again. Is that the S&P 500 is at the top of this 10-week trading band. Okay, so that's usually a sign that things are going to, you know, just maybe go sideways for a while or, you know, they could pull back. Um, I do think there's not enough money in, you know, to pull out of the market to, to really make it a difference, uh, although that may be the reason it pulls back. But I think, you know, what you want to do is buy stuff on pullbacks. Okay. Uh, that's, you know, I said that about gold and I pretty much said it about the whole market. Uh, but we, we picked up about uh, a half of, well, 0.4% for the for the week. So we're still in the column of X's, but we're going to talk about the bullish percent. And that's just our main risk guide. Uh, it basically goes from zero to 100. That's a column of X's and O's. And all you got to know is that there's some other things that go along with it. But, you know, domestic equities are still the number one asset class so back in 2007, 2008. They were, the, they were the lowest asset class. So we're in a strong market is what it comes down to. And usually when you get over 70, that's when things are too hot to handle. We're at 56 and a half right now. That's a pretty hot market, okay? But it's, it could go to 70, and it could take a long time getting there, okay? So don't get bearish because we're still in a column of X's. I, I, a column of X's means we have the offensive team on the field. And look, I'm not telling you have to run your portfolio based on X's and O's, but trust me, when you go into a column of O's and you're over 70, that's a defensive position that you should take. That doesn't mean you have to sell everything. It just means you want to be more defensive. You know, you want to use your head. You know, don't go out and buy things at, at the high. You know, let them pull back. Don't chase things, okay? Uh, when you're calm of X's, uh, you know, even though we're, you know, we, we've just made a nice move, okay, we've just made six percentage points on the bullish percent in the last w- week and a half or two weeks. And I said this was happen- going to happen, you know, that we'd have a melt up possibly. Um what you want to do is just wait for the stock, okay? But look, the good news about the stock market, there's always another train. But the small caps are in a column of X's too, and so aren't the world index. So it's very rare that you have all three of these things going at the same time. Um, we did have the positive trend for the New York Stock Exchange, uh, you know, break out to 50, break above 52 this week. That's very big. Uh, and if I look at the dynamic asset level investing, this is what we're doing is we're we're basing our investing on relative strength, okay? So we want to be on... Look, if you want to win the Kentucky Derby, you want to be on the fastest horse. <laughs> it's that simple. You want to be, you know, if the Kentucky Kentucky Derby's in mud like it was last year, you want to be on the fastest horse on a mud track. Okay, 
So you just you got to set your priorities to be in the right spot at the right time. Domestic equities are number one asset class. Uh, International equities, by the way, they have 300 of the 13 votes. At International equities have 210. Fixed income has 190. Commodities have 158. Cash is 136. And currencies are at a lowly 82. They were one of the big uh, things back in 2007, 2008. There's only two that have passed the bogey check. That means the relative strength is higher than the money market, and that's domestic and international equities. Uh, international equities have been positive uh, for, you know, basically 13 weeks now. That's a long time. I said that three weeks ago, and it's, they're still climbing. So there's going to be a day of retribution coming up here, I think. So you want to be a little bit more careful. Uh, all the, the, you know, the, the S&P 500, the iShares, uh, uh, mid-cap, small-cap index, the uh, QQQs, which is the NASDAQ composite, and the equal weight ETF for the S&P 500 and, this, and the, just the ETF for the S&P 500, which is capitalization weighted, uh, have all been positive for five weeks. You know, four weeks ago, three weeks ago, I mentioned that I thought there would be a good possibility that we could have a liftoff. And uh, so far, we're, we're, we're right. <laughs> we'll see if we continue to be right. But I, I do think it may change from uh, the S&P 500 dominating things. It's too easy, folks. There's too many people involved in the indexes right now, okay? Usually, that's when it becomes a stock picker's market. And uh, I would suggest that we're getting really, really close to a stock picker's market. Um, and that, that may come in January with the January effect. Uh, but I think there will be a lot of tax loss selling because there's a lot of capital gains this year. Because, look, we went up 20 21% and most of the selling occurred once we were up 21%. We're up another 4% now. So people bailed out and now they have to take losses against those gains. So some of the smaller names may get beat up in the next month or two. I wouldn't get too bearish on them. What I'd be I'd be considering them as hey, maybe that's the stock for the January bounce, okay? So don't don't get too bearish. There, there will be there's going to be some tax a lot of tax loss selling this year. Um you know, um I looked. I looked at uh, sectors, and um, I mean the the star of the show for the last three weeks, uh, four four weeks actually, is healthcare. Uh, I have seen twenty two biotech stocks go up a hundred percent in the last four weeks. That is an amazing track record. Okay, uh, you know, uh, and by the way, we've called about five or six of them, and uh, so that's a pretty good track record too. We didn't follow some of the others, <laughs> so. Uh, you know, we, we, we hit hit the cover off the ball. And uh, uh, the problem is figuring out which one of those is going to make the announcement. And uh, you know, there's some there's some buildup beforehand. But, uh, you know, and, and some of these are not, you know, your your grandfather's uh, uh, biotechs, you know, no dividends, whatever. Some of them are, you know, I mean, Biogen Index up 35 percent. And, uh, you know, that's a that's a big company. That's an S&P 500 member. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of names out there that have been looking really, really good. And we've got we've got one that's on our uh, our uh, well, it's a great dividend play that uh, we love, and uh, it's amazing what's going on. The other area that has been, um, I think, has been starting to outperform is the banks uh, and the brokerage firms. Uh, you know, after the little ruckus with the no uh, no commissions, uh, they bounce back, and I think you know Charles Schwab used that to get Ameritrade cheaper. Uh, 
but you know, look, they make all their money on the money market because they don't pay anywhere near market values, and they make all their money, you know, lending to the shorts. Okay, they make a lot. I mean, the the margin on shorts uh, is huge, and they make a lot of money doing it. So what they're doing is they're taking your stocks and they're they're lending them out to the shorts. So it, it's a good uh, business plan because they look great, you know, because you're not being charged commission. In the meantime, you're kind of dragging down your own stock. So it, it, it's kind of a mixed level type scenario. But uh, you definitely want to be uh, um, looking at, at some of the banks. I mean, the banks were the number two place and uh, uh, industrials were number three. Tech was number four, uh, but just not as many stocks bolting ahead. Although this last couple days, I did see a lot of software stocks bolt ahead. So we'll see. We did get up to 13 favorite sectors last week. We got to 14 this week. Uh, they're pretty much all in the same position. So at 70, we have building, semiconductors, and gaming. At 65, by the way, that means they're overbought. So you want to wait on those. And I'm only going to talk about favorite sectors because that's where you want your money. You want your money in the favorite sectors because if you get the favorite, if you get the worst stock in a favorite sector, you'll probably make more money than the best stock in an unfavored sector. All right, so electric utilities are 65. They've been losing ground pretty quickly, though, so be careful on those. Uh, real estate, transportation, uh, for some paper products and machinery at 60. Um, at uh, 50 is uh, electrical products, Wall Street, housing, and waste management, and then restaurants is, is 45. Uh, and healthcare care uh, is at 45, too. Uh, so there we go. We're, we're starting to see some uh, interesting stuff going on in in the world. And, uh, I mean, I think the, the surge in healthcare was, was significant and, uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, if it continues. And a lot of it's been in the mid cap and small cap ideas that not many people know about, but in, um, in Europe, uh, the dynamic asset level investing says to buy emerging markets and Asia Pacific emerging, uh, for the Greek, you know, I, last week I've talked about Greece, Greece looks still looks good. And there's some things happening there that are fairly interesting. I think, now, what's really interesting is crude oil. Uh, every time it gets over 55, they slam it. So, it, you know, it's in this triangle pattern, uh, and it's been a sideways adjustment, uh, but they just can't get over it, you know, and I think it's the Saudis who are trying to do it because Aramco is coming public. Um, I've asked, a lot of people ask me about Aramco, and I, I, I'm not sure it's a great deal. I, I was looking at it. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a terrible deal either, by the way, but I just don't think it's a great deal. So, I mean, if you're looking to get in, you know, get a 10% or 20% pop, I don't think that's the one. It's a huge company. I mean, you know, it's about the size of a small nation, which, you know, basically it is. Uh, So you want to be careful there. Now, gold uh, has been negative again for 12 weeks. Uh, Copper continues to be positive for six weeks. So I think what they're doing is the reason they're positive copper is because it's an industrial uh, metal and the industrials are doing well. Uh, gold's getting close, though. It's getting to a point where I'm, I'm really interested. But the United States oil fund I mentioned last week, uh, you know, it uh, uh, it went to a column of O's. Well, it broke a double bottom this week. So obviously oil is not the place to be. Um, you know, I I looked at relative strength changes. Uh, there was very few this week. So I, I kind of backed off on that a little bit. Uh, and. You know, one of the things I, there was a couple things I wanted to talk about. This 10-year yield index may be setting up to uh, break through the into the north, all right? And I think, you know, we, we should be um, 
paying fairly close attention to that. It's it's the type of chart that, if I'm correct, uh, you know, if we were to break two uh, percent, well, one nine five, you know, we we could go up to above the two area, and you know, believe me, that would number one help the banks, but it would probably slow down the technology stocks because PE ratios go down as yields go up. And that's why technology has been going up and up. The P.E. ratio has been going up and up because, the, you know, the 10-year Treasury is at, a, at an all-time low, okay? I mean, all-time low, going back as far, since the 10-year Treasury was in existence. So it's the lowest interest rate in the history of uh, 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 the United States of America. So it's something to think about. Um, also, uh, if, if I look at the technology index, it looked like it was making um, – you know, kind of a, a topping formation, um, but they're still they're still leading the way, and they've turned up a little bit. So it looks like um, there's a good possibility that they will be uh, a, the continuation of their leadership. But like I said, I think the thing you have to be thinking about is a lot of the Fang stocks are starting to turn, and I didn't anticipate that. And I don't think Lori Calcivina did either. Um, they're still way overowned. Uh, it surprises me, but they. They do have fortress balance sheets, so it's something that you want to pay fairly close attention to. But, uh, you know, I I emphasize that simply because a lot of people are interested in those stocks. Uh, but it, it might they might be just a trade. I don't know. This value growth thing uh, is still there's a big, big discrepancy between the two. But if interest rates do turn up and break that 2% area, I think the value stocks will start to perform. Anyway, we'll be right back with the insiders. Stay tuned. This is Fun Investing Show. Okay, we're back. Uh, now, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes, um, and we're, you know, we, we always recommend you to WHK fourteen twenty. If you want to uh, hear any of the past shows, uh, check my my. Uh, uh, if I'm telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, uh, please do. You go to WHK fourteen twenty AM. Uh, go to local podcast over to Tim Hayes uh, or down to Tim Hayes. I should say. You go directly, by the way, uh, to my um, web page from there uh, where you can see uh, Bob Dickey's technical analysis every day. So as it's published, it's there. Uh, we also have a, a, a daily letter and a, and a weekly letter, uh, a newsletter to give you, a, you know, keep you up to date with the markets. There's all sorts of stuff on cybersecurity there and how, how long we think interest rates are going to be low. Um, but it also has all the podcasts going back. I don't know how far they go back. A couple of years, I think. So if you want to check on anything, please do. Uh, if you want to have a cup of coffee, you want to talk about your portfolio, uh, please give me a call or email me. At, there's, you know, contact me, email me. There's a whole bunches of them there. Um, and if you want any of the information we talked about, which we'll talk about in another 10 minutes. In the meantime, we're going to talk about insiders. You know, insiders know their business way better than we do. And, uh, it's a way of finding what they're buying or if they're buying or if they're selling. And, uh, you know, we, we want to look at multiple buys and large buys. We don't want to look at small buys. Those small buys sometimes are, uh, you know, are very important too. But uh, I concentrate on the larger ones and the multiple ones. And one of the companies that got beat up a little bit just recently uh, was ServiceNow. And I just noticed that Bill McCormick, uh, McDermott, I'm sorry, the president and CEO just went out and bought a million dollars worth. 
you like seeing that, uh, especially when they're down. Uh, and here's another one that's really interesting. Um, ACM, which is uh, in the technical services business, uh, is at a new high. And Peter Fell bought $8.5 million worth. He's a director. Uh, and then New Star Energy LP. Man, I'm seeing a lot of these uh, master limited partnerships. They are by far the dominating area in in uh, insider buying mania. And believe me, I haven't seen, you know, we had a little, little uh, rest area, but I said this summer I hadn't seen so many insiders buy ever. And then we had a little bit of a rest, and, and now they're right back at it. So Bill Greehe, who's bought a lot of this stock, New Star backed off from, from 29 to 27 uh, and some change. And Bill uh, stepped up the plate and bought $14.995 billion worth. You might want to Google Bill. Uh, also, in Western Digital, uh, don't know what's going on there, but there were seven insiders all to the tune of each bought $4,763 or th- three shares. Uh, the, their average buying price was around 50. That makes the entire purchase uh, 1.584 million. So uh, seven buyers. You like seeing that many buyers, uh, you know, and we uh, enjoy that. Cross America Pipeline. Somebody stepped up to the plate and bought uh, 34 million dollars worth of stock at a new high. At a new high. Another pipeline. Okay. Uh, Karuna Therapeutics. We had a uh, insider buy. Uh, uh, Twelve billion million dollars worth. After the stock went from twenty to one hundred and sixty, and he bought it at seventy-eight on the way back. That's interesting. Molecular templates. Um, we had an insider buy five point six million dollars at a brand new high. Uh, MoneyGram. We had one gentleman buy just a ton of stock, uh, thirty-two million dollars worth uh, at three dollars after backing off from six. U.S. Concrete, the CEO, bought, uh, I'm sorry, Cross uh, Cross America Pipelines was the term I'm talking about. They they bought $74 million worth of stock. U.S. Concrete, the CEO, bought $1.2 million worth. Uh, You know, if they ever get a a, uh, infrastructure play going, that'll be a big one. Um, And then uh, Jim Getz, I, I looked up his history of buying at Intel. You should pay attention. He's a director. He's one of the older directors. He bought $5 million worth last week. He bought another $5 million worth this week. Um, and he has a great, great track record. Kinder Morgan, uh, Fayez Seraphim, who is a director and knows oil, uh, bought $4 million worth. So it hasn't, it's, it's mostly been Richard Kinder. Uh, but Richard Kinder came up and bought another $6 million worth of stock, which I think is interesting. And then Gannett, which is uh, the new symbol is N-E-W-M. Uh, the new CEO bought $1.8 million worth. Principal uh, Biofarm. This is an interesting one. Uh, down from 42 to 33 right now. A director bought $1.646 million worth. And he is one smart director. That's all I'll say. Um, and then Aramark. I love when I see the CFO buy $1.4 million worth of stock. Western Midstream Partners, another LP. Uh, we had a buyer of $1.2 million, $1.29 million. And then Gulf Island Fabrication, another oil and service uh, company, bought $1.19. Remember last week, uh, ET and PAGP, we had huge buyers in there. So I, I would suggest that uh, the the most active area for insider buying has been 
uh, either in biotechnology or in master limited partnerships. And once again, I, I haven't seen this many insider buyers and I'm picking the biggest ones, but there's a lot of 500,000, 200,000, $100,000 uh, buyers uh, across the board. So uh, insider buying has picked back up. Obviously, they're thinking uh, is the same as mine. And look, um, a lot of people are bearish and I, I love it. You know, I mean, it, it makes my job easy because the more bearish people get, the, the better it is. Uh, because on a contrary basis, if everybody's bearish, who's who's left to, to sell, right? Um, but if you look at the long-term rising channel, it's beautiful. All right? Now, what happens is we have big up moves, and then we have sideways moves for a couple of years. And those sideways moves is a couple of, you know, look out below. It's just to make sure that everybody can't sleep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but it's a beautiful chart. I mean, from 2010 on, uh, we have not broken the uptrend line on, on either direction. Uh, you know, the, the, so when you have a channel, you put uh, you draw the uptrend line on the tops, and then you draw, draw the, the uptrend line on the bottoms too. And that's the channel that uh, a stock or an or a index is in. And if you look at the SPX, the S&P 500, it's, it's in a beautiful uptrend. Yet people are, you know, think it's the end of the world. Now, I will say that we're at the top of the channel, uh, for the last two years. So if we don't break through here, and I don't think we're going to break through the first time because we're overbought, I think we'll pull back a little bit and then we'll break through. Uh, but it's been a two year sideways movement. And so if we break through, there could be a big, big move coming up. And, it, and like I said, it could be that melt up we talked about. Now, in the meantime, you know, crude, uh, is going sideways. Now look back in 2016 and 17, Crude went sideways for a long, long time, and then make a made a move up to seventy seven, uh, and then it came right back, and it's it's been in that it's you know started that sideways movement again. So, uh, but I think it's interesting the oil service stocks, uh, the bigger ones, have started to make a move, um, and usually it's the oil service stocks that lead oil, but the insiders are buying the MLPs. Now, one thing you're gonna know about an MLP is if you have, you know, there's upstream, downstream, and midstream. And if you have a midstream LP, they don't care what the price of oil is. They just care about how much oil goes through the pipeline. So if the price is down, you think there'll be more oil uh, pumped or less oil pumped? You think there'll be more natural gas pumped or less natural gas pumped? Well, my guess is uh, it'll be more. So uh, now I look at the, if I look at the large cap index, uh, it's, it's overbought. However, I, I think, you know, there's a couple things I'd be taking a look at. Number number one, with the S&P 500 small cap index breaking five tops on a point and figure chart, that's extremely positive. That means a lot of people are paying attention to the small caps. The mid caps have also broken uh, through a double top, which is not as, you know, statistically as relevant. Uh, or You know, because the more tops you break, the higher your percentage likelihood that you're right. Okay, so uh, I think that's important. Also, you know, look, I think gold's a very interesting scenario right now. Bitcoin was down 7% the other day, and, uh, you know, so it's bouncing around. Gold is making a nice move up. It's pulled back just like it's supposed to. You know, when you have a breakout, you pull back on light volume. Volume's been light. What's more interesting is some of the stocks have held up very, very well. Number one. Number two, uh, 
They're pulling back on light volume. And they're, low, they're very low institutional ownership there. So uh, I, I think you can make a really good case for, for uh, uh, gold. Now, I will say one thing, that the Dow had been in a triangle pattern. It broke through that triangle pattern. So usually when that occurs, uh, and triangle patterns when you have a series of lower highs and a series of higher lows, okay? Um, and so, but normally when you break out from that, you pull back to where the breakout occurred. So uh, I think you'll see some of that occurring now. Uh, so here's what I'd be looking at. I, I would start to think that uh, if I went to WHK 1420 AM and I went down to a local podcast, went down to Tim Hayes, went to his webpage. First of all, if you want to come, come in and see me or I'll go out and see you, get me out of the office. Thank you. I'd appreciate it. Uh, sit down and talk about your portfolio. Uh, you know, I've been recommending wealth plans to a lot of people for, for many a year now. And uh, if you don't have, you know, the people who worry the most are the people without a plan. And uh, the good thing about a wealth plan is you can play with it. And you can say, okay, you know, based on my allocation right now, will I make it? And, but you got to remember allocations change. Okay. Uh, because, you know, look, I, I'm the guy that came on the radio and said to go to cash, basically the cash would outperform the S and P 500 on, in 2007. The, la- the whole last month and the beginning of the first three months of the 2008, then it was too late. <laughs> uh, so if you change your allocation, you know, you know, accordingly, you can, your chances of success are, are much greater, but it can tell you with your current allocation, how you're going to do. Uh, so you can play what ifs with it. So it's a great thing. Also, our dividend growth portfolio is perfect for this type of market. Our prime income list for you guys who are retired, who want a higher income. Remember that's priced at dividend rates, not your, your uh, regular income like most uh, uh, CDs and bonds are. Our top ideal list, I highly recommend, and I'll recommend this one more time. Technology, internet, media, and telecommunications. Uh, we had a great conference, two days long. I have the notes from it from each day. I highly recommend it. We do have our best ideas from, for global ideas, uh, too. So uh, those are some things you can think about over the weekend. In the meantime, um, you know, it's, you probably got friends and family in and they're probably just waking up. <laughs> Have a great weekend. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.